good to be alive, church. Good to be in main service. I enjoy. Now nah, I'm good. I uh, enjoy when I get to be here. But just so you know, uh, there's some very cool things happening in kids' life, and um, I challenge you if you've got friends that know uh, or or have children uh, up from kindergarten to fifth grade. Uh, actually, even uh, we have a, a four-year-old or two in there. Uh, we have a lot of fun uh, getting to know one another, but especially getting to know Jesus. And uh, just as a, a little treat, what we've been doing over the past six weeks, uh, the, actually today is the sixth week, and we'll finish it out uh, next Sunday with the seventh week, we've been talking uh, through a series, teaching through a series called Rock Solid, and uh, the kids have been learning about the very foundational parts of what it means to follow Jesus. And so they've learned about the Bible, and they've learned about telling others about Jesus, but we kind of saved the best for last, if you will, leading up to Easter today. Natalie, pastor's daughter, Natalie is in there, and she's teaching about the Holy Spirit and the gift of the Holy Spirit and how it gives us power in our lives. And next week, I'm doing a lesson on baptism because I believe that on Easter Sunday in two weeks, we're going to have at least one or two kids that decide to get baptized because of the things they've been learning and the, the Jesus they've been coming to know. So that's an exciting thing, and it, it keeps me coming back, uh, especially because I've got a six-year-old and a ten-year-old. And uh, so it's very important to me that they learn at an early age, like I learned at an early age, uh, what it means to follow Jesus and what it means uh, to be an ambassador of Christ in this world. So uh, just pray for Kids Life, pray for us as we continue on, for the volunteers. If, if you're interested, please talk to me in volunteering or helping out. But please, uh, any kids you know that could be a part, any families that, that uh, you know, could, could be a part of that and have kids that could be a part, uh, talk about it. Don't keep it a secret. We don't want to be the best kept secret. If we are, we don't want to be. We want to be known. We want it to be known that this is a place that loves kids and loves adults and, and loves Jesus. And so thank you for your prayers, and, and thank you for your help. Uh, some of you have already given us eggs for the extravaganza in two weeks. Keep them coming. Uh, we're going to, hopefully, the weather will be nice. We're going to go out on the football field and just have a great time letting the kids go out and do that. So uh, lots of wonderful things happening. But today's the fifth Sunday of Lent, and uh, so we're, we're talking about the bucket list, the things that Jesus did as he knew he was getting closer and closer to time, and and today's the fifth Sunday, and the passage that we have is in the Gospel of John. If you want to turn there, we'll be reading through uh, the, uh, a good portion of the chapter and talking about what's going on. It's a story that I'm sure, uh, if you've ever been to church for any length of time, you've heard about the story of Lazarus. And uh, so we get to talk about the story of Lazarus, and you, you might think you know the story, but as I studied over the past several weeks, I realized that Lazarus... The, the whole the whole story is is very intriguing on one level, but it's also uh, it's also a little confusing. There's so much going on with different personalities, and this is the story. Since we're talking about the bucket list, this is the story in which we realize that Jesus knows that this, according to John, this is what's going to be the last straw. This is going to be the final sign, if you will, where the leaders realize uh, we have to get rid of Jesus. 
They've been, they've been building up to it and, and leading to it. They've been arguing with him. They've been arguing, as Pastor preached last week, so uh, powerfully they, they wanted to argue with the blind man that was healed. They wanted to argue with his parents. They've been trying to invalidate everything that Jesus has been doing. But it's at this point in time, it's this miracle, it's this sign that takes Jesus past uh, just uh, a nuisance uh, into a real threat to the powers that be, and you read after, we won't go into it, but afterwards Caiaphas says, see, I told you, remember I I prophesied that one man would have to die for the people, and of course Caiaphas didn't even know what he was talking about on one level, like we do, but on the very uh, foundational level of Caiaphas and all the power and all the religious structure that he represents, he said he's got to die. And so John then begins to take us into the passion uh, fairly quickly and, and spending a lot of time uh, on those, those final days of Jesus. So John chapter 11 is where we'll be, but before we go there, let me just remind you of what Paul said to the Ephesians when Paul was writing and challenging them to, to, to know the mystery that surpassed their understanding. You remember he said in Ephesians, what we know as chapter 3 verse 20, he said, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to the power that is at work within us. Let me say it one more time. Now to him, talking about Jesus, who is able, everybody say able, to do immeasurably more, everybody say more, than we can ask or imagine according to the power his power that is at work within us. I want to leave that just sitting in, in your brain for a minute as we start to look at John chapter 11. Uh, would you read, I just want to read, um, would you stand with me? I want to read just a couple verses uh, aloud, and these are the verses that are kind of the, the pinnacle, the climax, if you will, of what Jesus has to say in this narrative. Let's look at... Uh, Verse 20, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, John 11, chapter 20, um, chapter 11, verse 20, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, will you read it with me? I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And he asks the question, do you believe this? Father, by your power that is at work within us. May our eyes be open and our hearts be ready to receive your word. And Lord, it's only you that can transform us and renew our minds. So we pray that you would do so in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to somebody close to you. Hit them real hard. Well, you don't have to do it, but some of y'all might like to do it. And, and say this with me. Say, however good he is, now, I'm sorry, I, I just flubbed it. I was worried about, however good you think he is, say that, however good you think he is, 
No, you got to look at somebody in the eye. Say, however good you think he is, he's better than that. And you can be seated. Pastor preached on John chapter 9 and the healing of the blind man last week. And in John chapter 9, we realize that we are all blind. Amen? You might want to say were, but we, we all are blind, and only Jesus can give us sight. John chapter 11, we realize in John's very impressive way of telling us the story that we are all dead, and only Jesus can give us life. But here's what I found as I, as I read through, and, and I'm running through your notes real quick, so those of you who love the notes, uh, I'm, not, I'm not too crazy about notes, because if I got crazy about them, we'd have four or five pages of notes. So I'm running through them real fast, but as I, as I studied and, and looked and read over and over again in different, uh, different translations, John chapter 11, the Lazarus story, I realized that, that Jesus is certainly able to heal us, but he not only heals us, uh, he far exceeds our, and here's the big word for your notes, presuppositions. I know we don't use that word a whole lot, but a presupposition is an implicit assumption about the way the world works, about how people work, about how things are supposed to happen. And I realize in John chapter 11, and why I want to go kind of verse by verse through it is because we have a lot of presuppositions, the way we interact with people is based a lot on our history and on the things we've learned and the people that, that we know. I, I've heard in, in leadership classes before that you, five years from now, you will be uh, different from who you are now based on three things, based on the people you spend time with, based on the books that you read, and then uh, to, to throw in a, a spiritual part of it and based on the prayers you pray. Five years from now, the books you read, the people you hang out with, and the prayers that you pray. But we have a lot of presuppositions about how people are supposed to act. Amen? We have a lot of presuppositions about the way things are supposed to work, even walking into this building. Right, we break some presuppositions about what church is supposed to look like, about what a gathering is, what a community of believers, and hopefully we're breaking some presuppositions about what a group of believers is able to do in terms of giving talent and time and and giftings and and allowing God to use us in certain ways. So as we approach John chapter eleven, we realize that the healing that we heard about in John chapter nine is magnified even more because we all know it's not. I'm not surprising anybody. I'm not ruining the ending when you when you hear me say that Lazarus dies. And Jesus raises him back to life. You knew that. Big spoiler, right? Like if you, if you uh, decided, I'm not saying you should or shouldn't, but if you decided to go see the Noah movie, guess what? Big flood. Almost everybody dies. So we, we know that. We, we know the story, but when we really start to look at what's going on, as John carries us through the story, it, it dawned on me that, that a lot of things that that are supposed to happen aren't happening. And some things that aren't supposed to happen are happening. And it just seems really confusing unless you develop a, 
a different paradigm for even beginning to receive the story. And I want to keep taking you back to that phrase on the screen, however good you think he is, he's better than that. John chapter 11, John starts writing and he says, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha, this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped her feet with her hair. He's going to tell us that story in the next chapter. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And as Christians, our presupposition is, Jesus loves us, this I know, right? This we know. And uh, when someone gets sick, Peter's even told us, he should call for the elders of the church and they should lay hands and the prayer of the faithful will save the sick. So a presupposition is, uh, here's someone that's really, really close to Jesus, and we've already seen how Jesus can heal a blind man that he didn't even know that had been blind from birth, and, and we've already seen how he's able to, to do amazing things and to heal diseases and to cast out demons. So a presupposition is, uh, he's sick, and Jesus uh, should come and heal him. It just makes sense. It's just, it's the way we believe. It's, it's what we know to be true. But however good you think Jesus is, don't forget, he's better than that. Let's keep reading. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Ah, yes, now that lines up with our presupposition because our presupposition says that, yes, even when bad things happen, Paul has told us that all things work together for the good of those that love God, for those that are called according to His purpose. So when we hear Jesus say, this is for my glory, this is so that I will be glorified, we say, oh, well, that lines up, we understand, so... So that makes sense. But remember, however good you think he is, he's better than that. Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. Well, it, is that not an amazing verse of Scripture? I mean, what if, you're, what, what if that was you? Jesus loved Nathan. Jesus loved Rick. Jesus loved Linda. Jesus loved Chris. For John to even think that that's worthy to go down in his, in his writing. And our presupposition says, yeah. We learned that at a very young age, Jesus loves all of us. And if He loves us, He'll take care of us. He's good like that. But remember, however good you think He is, better than that. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Wait a minute. This is where it starts to get a little confusing. Lazarus is sick. We expect he will be healed. Jesus says this is going to bring me glory. We understand that. Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus. But when he hears about him being sick, he stays where he is two more days. That doesn't line up. Jesus, shouldn't this be 
important. Shouldn't this be, if he just had a cold or if he had a sinus infection, well, that's one thing, but for them to send word to, to go find Jesus where he is several towns over, why would he stay two more days? I, I don't understand that, but as we read, remember, however good you think he is, he's better than that. Then he said to his disciples, after the two days is up, he says to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you are going back there, back. You're going back. That goes against our presupposition when they're trying to take your life, when they're trying to catch you, when they're trying to uh, destroy you in your ministry. You don't go back. Right, he went to Nazareth and couldn't do much there, and the scriptures never tell us that he ever went back. And so the disciples say, You want to go back to Judea? That doesn't line up with well, we know, shouldn't we be going other places where other people who are receptive that don't want to kill you, but actually they love you and they're they're looking for you to help them. Don't you don't you want to go to those places? That doesn't line up, but remember, however good you think Jesus is, he's better than that. Let's keep reading. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light, which is one of Jesus' semi-confusing ways of basically saying, Look, it's not time yet, so you don't have to worry about them stoning me. You don't have to worry, because right now it's still light, uh, and it's still time for me to be doing my ministry. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend... Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. And this is exciting to the disciples because they say, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking, John tells us, of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. His disciples think, well, that's how you get better when you're sick. You sleep it off, right? When you have the flu, what do you want to, you want to be in bed and you want to sleep as much as you can and something just naturally healing takes place in the process of sleep. So the disciples have a presupposition that all he needs to get better is some sleep. And Jesus said he was asleep, so he's going to be, he's going to be all right. Jesus says, plainly, John says, verse 14, Lazarus is dead. Jesus knows that more than likely by the time the message reached him, Lazarus had already died. He looks at his disciples and says, No, I'm not. Let me say it plainly Lazarus is dead. Again, it's not a spoiler, we all know. And we don't even really think too, too hard about it, right? Because we know what happens at the end. So when Jesus says Lazarus is dead, it doesn't make that big of a deal to us because we know he's not going to stay dead. But we're in the 21st century having to deal with a text because I'd venture to say that it's real close to 100% of the people you've known in your life that died stayed dead. So we're in this place where our presupposition tells us that if someone has died, they stay dead. Dead. Now, we preach Jesus risen. We preach Jesus as the one who is able to raise from the dead those who have died. 
Let's not get ahead of ourselves, but you know as well as I do that preaching it and seeing it happen are two different things when it comes to the raising of the dead, at least in 21st century America. So when Jesus says Lazarus is dead, I'm sure it startles the disciples. And then what he says is, And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. And our presupposition, if we follow Jesus to a funeral, we're going to comfort the family, right? Because that's what we do at funerals. We don't pray over coffins. Think about it just for a minute. Jesus decides to take this journey back and they know Lazarus is already dead so they know he will have been dead for at least a few days when they get there. The disciples aren't going with any anticipation of life. They're going in anticipation of mourning. But however good you think he is, he's better than that. Then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Thomas basically has this feeling, all right, apparently Jesus isn't scared to go back into the places that people, in which people are trying to destroy him. So, We shouldn't be afraid either. Let's go. Let's do this. Revolution? Let's do it. We'll die too. We'll we'll die alongside of this man because we believe in him so much. That would be good, right, Thomas? You've got to love Thomas. He's mentioned four times in John. And Thomas, you never have to wonder what Thomas is thinking. Right? After Jesus is alive, he shows up. Thomas isn't there. I heard a preacher one time say, Jesus never, never complained to Thomas because all Thomas asked for was what Jesus had already given the other disciples. When he shows up to the disciples, they're scared to death, and he says, it's really me. Look, touch, look at my hands. Look at my side. It, it's me. I've got the wounds to prove it. And so the next time, or, or when Thomas hears about it, and he has a chance with Jesus, he says, I need to see. And Jesus doesn't ever rebuke doubting Thomas. I heard a preacher say one time, Thomas, is, his problem wasn't that he, he had to see for himself because the other disciples got that too. His problem was he wasn't in church on Sunday when Jesus showed up the first time. I'm trying, Pastor. Going after it. You don't know what you're going to miss when you don't hang out on Sunday mornings at Life Church. Thomas says, sounds good to me. We'll all die together. There's not enough of us yet to overthrow, but we'll die trying. Sounds good, right? Well, remember, however good you think Jesus is, he's better than that. Verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Are you kidding me? He had already been in the tomb for four days. And something, if if you study it, Something that's interesting that comes out as you study 
uh, the culture of the time, Jewish culture, but even Greek and Roman culture, a lot of ancient cultures at the time believed that up to three days in the grave, your spirit still had not, your soul still had not departed from your body. You're, you were still kind of hanging around. But around the fourth day is when decomposition would really start to set in, and that's when you finally came, I guess is how you think about it, you finally came to grips with being dead, and your soul left. So when it says he's been there four days, that's not just a raise your eyebrows kind of note, that's a, hey, wait a minute, there there, there's no reuniting soul and body in this guy. There's, there's no way to get, get past what has happened. He's been in the tomb for four days. And our presupposition, their presupposition at the time is, uh, even if there was hope at one or two or three days, there is no hope at four days. But however good you think he is, he's better than that. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said, and this is where we we read together, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Isn't that all of us? Isn't that all of us that have gone to God in prayer and said, God, I faced this situation in my life. I had this person that was sick in my life. I had the own, my own sickness in my life. Uh, this happened and this happened and this happened. And if you had been here, it wouldn't have happened. And we a lot of times stop short of accusing God, but at the same time, we do accuse because we said, or even some of us say, God, I I know you're here, I believe you're here, your presence is here, you can't go far from me and I can't go far from you, but yet it didn't turn out the way I thought it would. If you had been here, he wouldn't have died. And Martha, like we all would be when a, a, a close sibling a close family member, a close friend passes away. Why? Why, God? Be honest. We, we, all, we all ask the question. The psalmist, over and over again, why, God? Why? And if we allow that to go where the enemy of our souls would like it to go, it... It basically comes down, it's not a lot different than what we see happening in Genesis chapter 3. When the serpent comes to Eve and says, did God really say, don't eat from the fruit of the trees? And then goes on to say in the conversation, no, that's not what's going to happen. What's really going to happen is your eyes will be opened. You'll be enlightened. In essence, the serpent was saying, Eve, God's holding out on you. And if we're honest, that's where, that's where that goes. God's holding out on us. God, there, there's something that could have happened that didn't happen. And God, I, there's no, I, I don't have any explanation of why it happened this way. You're, you're holding out on me. 
But remember, however good you think He is, and there are times where we question just how good God is. Even if you just see a little bit of goodness, He's better than that. Martha says something that I don't have an explanation for. She says, I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. It doesn't appear that she has any faith that anything's going to change about Lazarus, and yet she throws that in there. Some, some commentators say Martha plays the Peter role in here, where she just blurts out stuff without even thinking about what she's saying. I don't, I don't know why she says it, but Jesus answers and says, your brother will rise again. And Martha, remember, there's all these presuppositions. There's all these assumptions about how the world works. And Martha, she says, oh, I, I'm a believer. I know he'll live in the resurrection at the last day. I, I know it's what the Pharisees teach. It's obviously what you believe. I believe it. He will rise. And you, you see, you've heard, you know, Martha has faith in Jesus in the past tense. If you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And she has faith in Jesus in the future tense. He will rise again on the last day where Martha struggles is right here, right now. With Jesus. You'd be honest enough to say, yeah. I've got faith because I've seen Him do some amazing things in the past, and I don't doubt for a second there has to be a restoration of all things. There has to be a resurrection of those that have been faithful to Jesus. There has to be a wrapping up into which all of the faithful are assembled and are in worship of God for eternity. And I know what He has done, and I know what He will do, but the question is, right now, in this moment, how good is He for me, for you, for us right now? But remember, however good you think He is, He's better than that. Jesus says, I am the resurrection. I am Jesus goes present tense. Martha, you got your past tense good and you got your future tense. He says, I am. In the same way he said in John 4 to the lady at the well, he that speaks to you, I I am the Messiah. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Martha musters up all the messianic terms she can think of. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who has come into the world. And then she runs. We won't read every verse, but she runs back and gets Martha and says, the teacher has asked for you, or gets Mary and says, the teacher has asked for you. And so Mary goes and the mourners follow her out thinking she's going to the tomb. And Mary comes and Mary says the exact same thing. John says, Martha and Mary obviously have been saying this over and over to each other. John says, Mary comes and she says, if you had been here, Jesus, my brother would not have died. We've already got the doctrinal teaching. We've already got Jesus' profession of who he is. Uh, We don't get that this time. Watch. Jesus saw her weeping, verse 33, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And this is where we get to a problem because that's what the NIV says and other versions, I won't quote them to you, but other versions try. And the 
deeply moved and troubled. It's two different words, and the troubled is probably a pretty good translation. But the deeply moved, almost every translation tries to make sense of what the word is because what the word really means is he was angry. And our presuppositions say Jesus isn't supposed to get angry. He gets angry in the temple, but we understand that, right? Because of the way they're selling and the, the weighted balances and, and all, of the, all of the ways in which the poor and, and, and the outcast are trying to be kept out of the temple area. We understand why he would get angry. But why? Why would John say that Jesus got angry when he saw this morning? And I don't know that I have the perfect answer for you. I think I fall somewhere uh, that he, he, was, he was angry at what he saw taking place. How death had so grasped the culture. How they, even these Jews that had come from uh, Jerusalem to mourn, to help uh, in the mourning that lasted for days in the culture. He was so angry that, that this is how culture is and was, and this is how people react, and this is what's going on. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure, but he, he gets really angry, and we can, we can finish it out. He says, where have you laid him? Come and see, Lord, they replied. John eleven thirty five. you can quote it, right? The shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. And it's not the mourning that the professional mourners are doing. It's real tears. He loves these people so much. He's angry about the hold that death has over culture and over people. And the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, couldn't he that opened the eyes of the blind man and kept this man from dying? And so he's once more deeply moved and he comes and he says, take away the stone But Lord, said Martha, by this time there's a bad odor. Remember King James Version? What's he say? He stinketh. He stinks. I believe Jesus, but wait a minute. He stinks. I'm not sure what you're fixing to try to do, but we're all fixing to get a big whiff of nasty And I'm I'm sure you got good intentions, Jesus, but four days. And remember, however good you think he is, he's better than that. Jesus looks at Martha. Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see, key word, the glory of God? So they took away the stone, then Jesus Praise Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. I don't, I don't want to fail to mention one final presupposition. We have a presupposition that after God performs a miracle... That person should be set, right? And Jesus says, no, I want you to unbind him. I want you to loose him. I want you to make sure he's free. 
And there is a place, as pastor's been continually reminding us, there's a place in which we as a community have to begin to rally around one another and rally around people that come that, that have not met Jesus yet and say, it's our responsibility that Jesus speaks the Word, but we come in and we help. And we loose and we unbind and we, we minister to and we spend time with, we have meals with, we get together and in small groups and prayer groups and just hanging out in our lives, we have a responsibility to these people. I feel like the main, the main intent of this message on this morning in this place, maybe you want to just close your eyes for a moment. I feel like there's many levels on which God can minister to you, but I really feel like calling out to the person, or I don't doubt that there's more than two or three people in the audience that you deep down inside, you really, really, really want to believe that Jesus is good. But you struggle with what's happened, maybe in your past, maybe a long time ago, maybe what you're going through right now. It may be something that's happened directly to you or something that's going on with someone that's close to you and it may be a result of prayers that you've prayed that have gone seemingly unanswered. And you really, really, really want to believe that God is good. But you struggle sometimes. And I believe it's you right now that Jesus calls out to. However good you think He is, He's better. So much better.